Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Teresa in America. Hi, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about how to deal with trauma, which is too complicated an issue. So I say today, we're going to start with just as much as we can in general. And I think it's worthwhile for us to commit to breaking these things down. Yes. But just for folks, if you haven't listened to previous sessions, we did have an episode a couple of weeks ago around what is trauma that kind of talks about Big T trauma and little t trauma, which are phrases that we use often. So check that out. Um, But yeah, we'll totally delve into other stuff in future episodes as well. I'm really struggling because this is my whole life. So like you're asking me a question about how to put everything that I've been dealing with in my whole life into a 30-minute segment. Yeah. Which I would say I would start off with this because this is what I said to you earlier. I think oftentimes when we think about trauma – you don't really come up with that word on your own. In many of the cases that I've been with and in folks and working with people, nobody has ever come to be like, I think I'm dealing with trauma. Never. You know, they're like, I just have stuff that is always there. It just keeps coming up. And those words are like embedded in the experience of trauma, but they've never actually understood it to be trauma as an actual aspect of their life. So I say that for people to think about whatever their experience is, because all of us have had traumatic experiences, whether we call them that or not is, you know, for you to determine. So when you think about how you've dealt with your trauma, what are some of those ideas that come first to your mind? Uh, Avoidance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, immediate thought is like, I'm not at all impacted, affected by anything that has happened. So I'm just going to move on. It doesn't mean anything in my life. And then unwittingly in the future, it's like pops its little head and you're like, oh, I thought about that years ago and never did anything with it. So Mm -hmm. avoidance is a huge part of that. The other part of that I would say is like the the word that comes to mind, it's really difficult. Like it's so hard to walk into like that room and kind of be willing to look at all the walls and everything that exists in that space. And it's all in my head. It's not in any actual physical space. When I have to walk into that metaphorical space of your trauma mind palace. <laughs> of my, yeah. Yeah. If I was in the same physical space, like in the same room or something, I think that's a whole different like experience. Yeah. When I, when I look back and I've worked with so many people who come from trauma, because I, this is kind of a passionate space of mine. I remember being really young and feeling so unsafe in my environment that in order to cope with trauma in order to cope with violence, I had to, I had to set up safety procedures to keep myself safe. And it basically rewired my brain. And I talked to a lot of my clients and they, I think that they relate to this, but like, I say we're like super soldiers, right? But at six years old, you're a super soldier because your house is not safe. <laughs> and, and in many ways that 
years of experience rewired my brain. And then it was worse because it was compounded by whatever pre-existing condition I had with my depression or my anxiety, you know, like I already, like it already runs in my family. So that's like the recipe for hot messness that I don't think I actually started to deal with my trauma then until I was older and I was finally in a safe space to confront the reality of what happened and to evaluate what it did to my brain and the way I see things and people and the world. I think what you said is really important in in kind of laying a foundation for understanding how trauma impacts you because uh you know where where I'm coming from is like because you may not necessarily be prepared um to actually deal with the trauma and all the uh, emotions that come with it, you do avoid it for a long time for various reasons, for safety factors, like you've mentioned, for just protection of of self, right? To be able to continue to move forward without kind of being locked in this box of trauma. But what you're talking about too, is then the steps that you have to take to actually look at one experience, right? And I'm just, I'm going to just focus on one small experience instead of like a huge one. Um, And think about what you said, how has it impacted your thought process? How has it impacted the way that you see the world, the way that you interact with other people, and then everything that is involved with that? And how does it affect my body? Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't, trauma doesn't just affect your thoughts and your brain and the way you see the world. It literally results in a physiological trauma reaction. But I know you intimately feel this because we, you and I just shared, you and I share moments where you experience something in your past around something traumatic and I'm like with you and someone comes at you with a topic that you're like, Mm -hmm. It, it triggered a a reaction. It's a you know yeah. you know what I mean, right? Like when yeah. when someone comes at you and it says something that reminds you of that experience, and you automatically like tense up, like I'm ready yes. for a fight, <laughs> and I'm gonna yeah. either die in this and and give back into giving in to that trauma, or I am going to fight and come out of it either a fighter or better even. Cause I think sometimes my fighter response is not always a healthy response. Yeah. I was going to say it's that fight or flight. It's like either you're going to engage and you're going to come at me with everything you got, or I'm just like, I don't have time for this. Nope. Not today. Not today, brain. Not today. <laughs> I know that you have gone in, in different uh, episodes that we've done. You've talked a lot about, the childhood trauma that you have and how it continues to impact your day to day. I think in the, the episode that I mentioned earlier about the what is trauma, we spoke about different examples. But I think overwhelmingly, people oftentimes don't really realize that the experiences that they have had can be traumatizing, you know, that they do impact the way that you see the world. And you never really think about it until maybe somebody's like, have you ever thought about it like this? You know, and you're like, what? That comes from a place of privilege. And I'm going to say this as a person who struggles with mental health challenges who also have trauma. And I have husbands and I have husbands, multiple husbands. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've definitely made my one husband into multiple people. 
my husband is like this where he's like, you know, he he would never have said, oh, I experienced trauma. But I'm like the way that you're reacting right now to the situation, the way you've carried your childhood into our relationship and the way that you have set up your expectations for me and for yourself and how you're being emotionally reactive about this expectation that I'm supposed to be an ex blank, whatever it is. That tells me that whatever happened to you when you were 8, 10, 12, like it's being carried here, right? Yeah. But I would never, he would never, and I would never say that whatever trauma he experienced back then is equal to the trauma that I had. Because there are for some people who never question for one doubt that what they experienced was just wrong and no one should ever go through that. And part of what happens for people with trauma is that people who people who come at you who are like involved in your trauma, they want to they want to gaslight you. They want to be like, oh, well, what you experienced was not that big of a deal. Or they want to be like, Mm. well, are you sure that happened that way? Or like, are you sure you're interpreting what happened the way that it happened? Or like, you know, like maybe maybe it's your fault. And I don't so I don't want to minimize the fact that For people who have experienced big T trauma, like you don't have one doubt in your mind. You're like, I want to tell you right now that what you experienced and if you think that you experienced something that changed your life forever, like that's that's real. Yeah. You know, that's trauma. And yes, for the lucky other rest of the world who don't experience big T trauma, they get to mostly be living in the world. And then when things come up in their relationships, they're like, oh, this is where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But you, we deal with these things the same, though. Whether you have had big T trauma or small T trauma, you deal with it in the same way. It's just that for me with big T trauma, my feelings and my thoughts are big, big feelings. I have had a hard time. I've had a hard time learning how to control my thoughts and control my emotions. Even to the extent that now at 40 years old, I am still talking to you on the verge of crying because that's how emotionally close these things are. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if you always feel like you're on the verge of crying. (laughs) I don't. um, But that's my nature. You know, that that's just part of who I am. I don't cry, America. I only cry with you and a therapist, but you're my therapist right now. So this is what happens when you go to therapy. I think people would be surprised because I have you crying on this thing all the time. This yo. is why I hate you. It's like, what am I doing here? I only cry when I'm at therapy, when my therapist makes me unearth my freaking trauma. I'm not supposed to be doing this in my life. But I feel like you, I think what resonates and what you're saying is that you can totally connect with it. Like you, me, and other people can connect with how um, vocal you are about it. Cause I think that's a really important piece of your story, you know, and you being able to just own that emotion. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is the, you know, the process that you kind of have to go through when you are dealing with the aftermath of trauma and understanding what it means to your experience. And I think for me, what has been really important in thinking about my experiences it occurred developmentally. That's what I'm thinking about process-wise. Like I didn't have the capacity to really process until I was in my early, like maybe like mid-20s where I was just like, dude, what the hell happened there? Like Mm -hmm. that's critical to everything that you've been living this far. And then, so I say that to, to help the folks understand 
it's okay if you don't have the capacity to do this right now. Like, that's not what we're saying. You have to give yourself patience to want to go into this space and tackle it. So in my 20s, it's funny that both of us were processing through our trauma in our 20s, even though they, these things happened to you like when you were younger. I basically realized I had to process through my trauma because if I didn't, I was ruining my life. Like my trauma basically reshaped everything, you know, um, because of the way it changed the way I see the world and people around me and relationships that I had. Today, I will say that I am better. And it means that I get to be a little more like you. Like I live in my world without being confronted all the time with my traumatic triggers or like, you know, emotional reactions that because of my trauma, I've had enough distance, enough treatment and like time to feel like I've had distance. When I was traumatized and like in my er late 20s, I always said to myself, the worst thing that could happen to me might be X. Like, because if this happened again, I literally would fear that I might not survive. Mm -hmm. And this last year, the worst case scenario didn't happen, but it came pretty close. And I basically have lived the last 12 months intimately thinking about what it means to deal with trauma and re-triggering and multiple traumas. I think that's part of a traumatic response too, is you set up a lot of contingency plans. I call it my contingency planning where I'm like, oh yeah, how do I never be in that situation again? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done the same thing, you know, where I've asked myself, it's, you know, I've really broken it down. We're like, why did this happen? Could you have avoided these things? Could there, could there have been other options? And if it happens again, what are you going to do? Right. It's that like, I'm stuck in this box. I got to figure out how to get myself out of it. And I'm going to create as many holes and things to hold on to so I can move past it. I like what you said about setting boundaries versus avoidance, because I think when you deal with trauma, you have to differentiate between those experiences. Sometimes I set, sometimes people will come at you, will say things and you have to set up a boundary to be like, nope, not going to let what you're putting out screw with me today. I cannot handle it. I don't like you. (laughs) I don't like what you're putting out and I'm not going to let you affect me that way. And that is a good thing to be able to do. But it's different than complete avoidance, which I also understand. I think, too, one of the things that I think sticks with me the most around all of these issues is recognizing, I think, how you react with your body. Like, you know, where you've, you and I have, um, have been together for so long that you can see in my face like, oh, something else is happening there, you know? Yeah. And um, I also think about like sometimes when... Like I'm, I'm in the house or something like that. And my fiance may come home and I'm like so focused on something and, and he comes in quietly and it scares the crap out of me. And he's like, why are you always surprised? And I don't, I'm not calling that a trauma, but it comes from somewhere. I've never really thought about the where of why it's so startling to be like approached and it freaks me out, like when I think about it right now, because I'd be like, "Dude, I want to punch something. Mm. I will literally knock something out if I had something in my hand." Well, did somebody attack you like that? 
I don't I don't think so. It might come from my brother just being an older brother <laughs> and playing with me that I'd be mm-hmm. like, what the hell? And surprising me, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it might come from that. It's a small version of him training your body to like it's a, it's a very good example of a small way that your brother through his bullying trained you to be worried about lurkers behind you. Yeah. Which for a kid who was bullied oh, in God, school, yes. that's their trauma response. Like they're like, I never know if somebody behind me is going to come punch my face. That's funny that you mentioned that because I also have a very, um, so I myself am a person that if like you're playing with me, I will hit you, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll push you, I'll do something. Um, and many times when we're like playing around with my fiance, he'll like, he'll like do something and I like, I will automatically like go and like punch him. He's like, why do you get so aggressive? And it goes back to the same thing. My brother had a huge I love him to death, but he had a huge impact in how I process the world. So because I was smaller, I'm his little sister. He was always like, you got to protect yourself. You know, you always got to protect yourself. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. now that's what I still do. Mm -hmm. So he's really training you up to be like, and this is where narratives, family narratives add to whatever he scared you into that makes it hard to break those ideas. Yeah. And I I relate to that because I have traumatic whatever traumatic responses I have, they're they're worsened by poor, but like your intentions were good, but you set me up to have this idea in my head about the way I was supposed to be with people. I was gonna be strong and not need anybody and be independent and so i basically communicated to all the people in my life that they were unimportant and i don't need them and if you died well i'll be fine and i say these things out loud like why are you such a jerk like that's so mean to tell someone like if you died i basically don't care (laughs) i'd be fine i'll just move along (laughs) what i think all of those things though help people fully kind of grasp what all of this can mean for themselves. There's a reality that exists within all of us that how we see the world is going to be impacted and is affected by all of the things that we have experienced, the people that we have in our lives, the way these people have treated us, um, the way that the world has treated us in certain instances, you know, because when you talk about trauma within the last year, like for me, a lot of the trauma has come about because of the very strong stances that I take around uh, black lives, um, indigenous lives, Latinx lives, what we're supposed to do to do be better people for all of, for all people. Right. So just so everybody knows, literally America and I recording this the day after the Chauvin verdict was passed. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I had a weird, I had a situation where what I was telling you about the events in my life was like, uh, basically like another assault and and then it happened right around both covid and george floyd and so as when you talk about triggers kind of biting you in the ass i did not realize that what i had done in my brain is that i made an association between my traumatic experiences with what was going on with george floyd mm-hmm. and basically about a month ago i started to watch the trial Mm-hmm. And right around then, I had the most incredible traumatic 
stress response. I started having nightmares again. I started having panic attacks again. I I could not think straight or clearly. I was scared I was going to have another depressed episode. Like I was like, what was going on with me? And I had to go get a med adjustment. Like, and I, and I just was like, is it because of George Floyd? Like I'm trying to go back in my brain and be like, what is happening? Like, when did this start? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's happening with George Floyd, but I'm like, I'm not, why, why George Floyd? And then finally I was on a conversation with a friend and something clicked in my brain where I was like, oh my God, last year. Cause I think all she said was last year. And I was like, oh my God, last year, this mm-hmm. was all happening at the same time. And so what I'm feeling now is not about George Floyd. It's about that my trauma got triggered a year later yep. because by association, these things. And like, I was like, oh my gosh. That's and honestly, a, yeah. yesterday with the verdict, I felt relief because I think it was like a symbolic closure and the awareness actually that I just like looped the two together was so helpful because then I was able to put the finger on like oh it's not George Floyd it was that your thing got triggered and you didn't have awareness that that's how that happened but now that you see it go through your steps (laughs) I think the aspect of of triggering you know is is the way in which um, we don't really think about it. The things that they're so subtle that you don't see the connection, you know, it's like oblivious. You don't, you have no idea that it's connected in any way. And then you're like, something happens like in the example that you're given and you're like, what, how are these two connected? Why are they, they have nothing to do with one another, but it, it could be time, right? Time association. Like in this example, it could be place. It could just be a visceral, physical reaction that you're having because like yesterday, all the fear and anger, it's not like hopelessness that I felt a year ago was just sitting on top of everything for me. Mm -hmm. And people kept asking like, you know, are you watching? And I'm like, no, I am not watching on purpose because I know that if I focus on that energy right now, it will derail me for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that. But then, you know, another thing that has been happening to me recently is like, I got my my first vaccine shot. And while I was waiting to get it, like, you know, in line or whatever, I immediately felt like dread and like so much anxiety And just being in this space with all these people, it reminded me like of the movies that you see, you know, and I was just like, what's wrong? What, what, what's happening right now in your brain? Calm down, take a breath. And I had a, I have a mask on, you know, so I'm just like, take a breath as best as you can relax. And I was like, it's all tied to this helplessness of what I felt a year ago, right? What all of us felt. So again, you know, it was just an immediate kind of reaction that was triggered by everything that was in my environment in that moment. But I think too, it's okay to know that we are, we have to process our feelings um, to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, unwittingly you get stuck and you don't even realize it. And that's where it keeps coming up, you know, like 
four years down the line and you're like, what the hell? I'm fine. And then you're like, actually, you know, I'm not because I'm having a nervous breakdown right now. So this is what I would say. As you think about everything that we talked about today, we have some materials that are useful to you, can be helpful to you. There's a worksheet uh, that is part of our mental health month toolkit that focuses on adapting after trauma and stress that gives you some, you know, some pointers. But then we also have a worksheet, like how to actually process your trauma and stress. So take a look, you know, if it's useful to you, use it, read it. If you feel like it's going to do something for your mental health, Mm -hmm. it's all right. If you don't have the capacity to do that right now, you could bookmark it (laughs) and move on. My closing thoughts are like, I'm thinking about some of the common thinking traps I fell into early on that when left unchecked really screwed with my brain for long periods of time. I feel like that one podcast we did called Am I Broken Hmm. is is so good because in this as like a next one to think about because I feel like when you deal with trauma – the next thing that happens for you is you get in these stuck points and these stuck ideas about like when you do that worksheet on how to deal with trauma, you're going to be like, oh, this is what I think about the world. This is what I think about X. And you really have to do a lot of work to unpack or confront that those ideas are not rooted in reality. And I thought that that podcast we did on Am I Broken is like a really good example of what it looks like to work through bad thinking. And now I need to go. I'm not going to go cry in a corner. I already cried here. I'm going to like just touch the table, (laughs) bring myself down from my space. Dude, go do something good for yourself. Find what you can to give you a little bit of peace today. Okay. And then we're going to talk to you next week. Okay. Love your face. Keep on fighting, friends. Bye. Bye.